I'm a couple's um, therapy failure or success story. I don't know. <laughs> she told us to break up. I'm Lindsay Wilson, the queen of glam, and this is the podcast Business of Glam. I created this podcast to help us all find the magic in business and everyday life. With over 20 years in the beauty industry, you name it, I've probably done it, avid product and fashion enthusiast, entrepreneur, and a single 40-year-old woman on a quest to live my best authentic life, I wanted to bring you people and resources to help inspire you to do the same. In balancing all life has to throw at us, the highs and the lows, I hope we can learn to ride these waves together to find the true essence of glam. Because at the end of the day, I think what we are all craving is community, connection, and a sense of not being alone. So join me on this journey to turn glam outside in. On this episode of Business of Glam, we meet with marriage and family therapist Melissa Raditz with Kenosis Counseling. As a huge mental health advocate, I love the knowledge Melissa shares with us on relationships, healthy ways to cope with stress, how to find your joy, and how to cope with any loss. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And if you do, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Tell everybody a little bit about you and what, what I do. Yeah, what you do. Okay. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm here. I got you. So my name is Melissa Raditz, and I own my own practice called Kenosis Counseling. I primarily see couples and individuals. I don't see a whole lot of family. But a lot of couples working through trauma, grief, loss, anxiety, sometimes there's affair, and definitely addiction. I was like, you covered the whole gamut. Yeah. I'm a couple's um, therapy failure or success story. I don't know. She told us to break up. It was probably... Like, <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know if you look at that as a success or a failure. I'm not sure. I think a lot of people believe that, oh, I'm going to go to couples therapy and then I'm going to stay married. But mm-hmm. that's not the case. It is what is never going to be the right choice for the relationship. And it may very well be that the termination of the relationship is the right choice. Yeah. And that's okay. I love that, though. So I would say if it's the right choice, it was I think it was a success story. I think so, too. (laughs) How do you think... So we're all so busy in our lives with couples being kind of a main focus for you. Yeah. How can we balance relationships with loved ones, but, like, also, like, family and friends? And do you have any tips and tricks for that? So when I typically do couples work, I have it to where they're scheduled to see me weekly. But I actually see them face-to-face every other week. The time that they don't see me is when they're supposed to do something together. So I have them do uh, learning modules from the Gottman Institute. I'll have them go on dates. Something to bring them back together because the majority of the time, they're not spending any time together. There's a huge gap. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bring it back. As for relationships, I think people feel like they have to prioritize a lot of things that don't necessarily need prioritizing, right? We talk about moms who running around the house, trying to make sure the house looks perfect Mm -hmm. and clean and that the refrigerator has to always be stocked and you have to make time to basically run and manage the house. But that stuff can actually be let go. You don't have to clean the house every day. You can have permission. You don't? No. You don't. Because if we think about priority, right? 
I like to have a nice dress clean in the morning. You know, I do too. You wake <laughs> up, well, I like waking up and it not dirty, right? But I had to learn to let it go because I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And if I continued down the path of stressing about how clean my house was, I would basically just be following a tornado and not doing anything else. In For sure. Life. But I had to stop and be like, okay, it will be picked up when it gets picked up and be okay with that. But if we go back to relationships, it's prioritizing. Do a quick calculation. You have your phone on you. We'll do some fun little experiment. Let's do it. Can you recall how old your grandparents were when they passed away? Oh, they were young. Think about it for just a minute. Um, I think my oldest grandparent lived to be like 73. Okay. So take your age. And divide it by 73. That percentage that you see in front of you is the percentage of life that you've lived so far. Mm-hmm. I've lived 54%. <laughs> yeah. I'm not rounding up to the 55, which That's fair. could actually. That's fair. But then you also have to include about 3% of the end of your life is when you're going to be disabled. You're going to not be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. You have to prioritize what really is bringing you joy and if cleaning the house is what's bringing you joy then do it yeah but if it's adding more stress and you're then taking it out on your partner or you're taking it out on your kids or you're not connected with people you want to be connected with then you can let it go that's okay i love that that's such a good way of looking at it i i don't know if you watch keeping up with the kardashians but chris jenner has a jar that has like balls in it or something mm-hmm. and she takes it out one out every christmas she has and like she thinks that the rest are like the remaining the remaining christmases that yeah. she has yeah like kind of giving her the mortality yeah it's it's very eye-opening to kind of really see how many years that you have left or that you have lived and then we don't think about near the end of our life we're going to be disabled mm-hmm. we're going to really be having people take care of us like we can't take care of ourselves so what are you doing with this time Are you living with meaning and purpose? Or are you going through the grind? You have to reevaluate what you're doing. I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in the grind. Yeah. And the hustle. Yeah. I think that's our culture too. For sure. Mm -hmm. I was like, I grew up like you have to hustle. You have to Mm -hmm. hustle hard. And you see celebrities or success stories. And it's like the 4 a.m. wake up. And you have to do this. And you have to do that. And you have to check the boxes. How can you kind of reprogram yourself to say, I don't have to do that? So I think you have to remember that you are not those celebrities. You have to know what your skills are. What are your gifts and talents? Are you really good at analytical thinking to where you've got numbers down like that? You can figure, then you need to be doing something that you can use your gift and talents. I have interpersonal intelligence, which means I can understand and read people very well. And I am doing exactly what my gifts and my talents allow me to do. That's to be present in front of people, hold the space for people, and walk them through the journey of healing. That's I'm using my gift and I feel really powerful every time I have a session. It feels good. And it goes like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going through the grind and you're like, this isn't working, that means you're not living in your sweet zone. you got to figure out what it is. There's there's kinetic intelligence where you use your body you know for sports or play 
There's people who are musically intelligent. There's intrapersonal people who love mindfulness and can do really well at yoga. There's like eight intelligences that people can live in. You may not be that celebrity that wakes up at four in the morning, but you may thrive knowing how to analytically solve problems. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to thrive. That's where you're going to have meaning and purpose. Got to find that sweet zone. You got to find it. So then what do you think your talent is? Oh, on the spot. On the spot. I think I'm good at relating to people. So you've got interpersonal skills. I think that's probably my strongest too. Based off of your beautiful living arrangement, I would also say that I'm trying to think of what it's called. I can't remember it right now, but space. You can look at a space and find beauty in it and how you're going to decorate it and use the space. I am really good at that too. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I would say, because I've been to the glamour bar. Been to the glamour bar, and I bet your apartment is fabulous, right? So I would say you are using your gifts and talents. How frequently do you get to use that spatial intelligence of yours? I'll show you my um, Christmas wrapping. I I have to find little ways and outlets for me yeah. to create mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. because there is this big creative side to me that yeah. I don't get to get out. Yes, and owning a salon, right? I get the relationship aspect. You I get do. to have all of those things but I'm not behind a chair so I don't have that creative yep outlet yeah which I did go to hair school I just really hated it I didn't really really want to do it um but I was like I love wrapping Christmas presents Mm -hmm. and I can do it in like five seconds flat and have it like look wonderful right done yeah like fast at it I make these dumb vision books I do like all of these like little things that are just like little tedious Mm -hmm putting things together so then you have to ask how satisfied are you within your life from zero to ten ten being 100 percent satisfied how satisfied are you given an 8.5 see and that's really good because a lot of people would sometimes a lot of people might go less than five mm-hmm. but it sounds like you are using your gifts and talents on a regular basis that's bringing you lo- meaning and purpose i've done a lot of therapy I'm telling you, therapy is good. But here's the other I've done all of the therapies. (laughs) So let me give a, 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 what is it, disclaimer about therapy. A lot of times people assume I'm just going to find a therapist and then all my problems are going to go away. One, you have to find a therapist you click with. Yep. I'm not going to click with everybody. And there's going to be some therapists that you're not going to click with. I would always encourage someone, do a 20-minute consultation. Make sure it's free. Talk to the person. Ask what their experience is. How they relate to people. What What's their modality? How do they treat people? What do they see happen within their clinic? Because you need to know that, okay, I can actually trust this person to really let them know some vulnerable things about me and hold up a mirror that's going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And if I don't trust my therapist, you need to find another therapist. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you found a therapist that you're like, it's, it's helped me. Yeah. I found several. I've had yeah. luck in the therapy department. Well, I think because you're different... into personal skills, right? <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. But I, and I think that then you have homework to do. Yes. So you can go to therapy all day long, mm-hmm. but if you, like my favorite thing right now, I'm like, when I find myself like snapping or doing something that I don't mm-hmm. love and then I feel guilty about, like in challenges I'm like oh it's easy to be zen on the yoga mat right so it's when things are getting rough and tumbled that you have to like go back to all of those Mm -hmm. skills that you've Mm -hmm. learned and Mm -hmm. figure out 
what is actually bothering me and what is making me snap and kind of using those tools that you learn during therapy. 100% and not all therapy is going to be the exact same. So for example, internal family systems is not going to be the same style of therapy as cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. but you can still get benefit from both. Mm -hmm. So if you're a true believer in just one style of therapy, you're going to be really limited to the possibilities of so much more that you can learn about who you are. So you're right. (laughs) And you do EDMR, right? That's kind of like the hot thing. EMDR. EMDR, yes. That sounded like a drug that you just said. I literally said it, and I was like, I know that's wrong. (laughs) I said it, and immediately was like, it does kind of sound like a pill that you could take. Yeah, Yes, yes. So uh, so I have been trained in both EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization, and what I would call brain spotting. Mm -hmm. Since the pandemic, I've moved to only seeing clients through telehealth. It was really clunky doing EMDR over the internet. I know that there are some therapists who are doing it really well. It's clunky for me. I've been seeing so much growth and success through brain spotting that I've leaned into doing that more frequently. And it's brain spotting and EMDR. Um, you have a bilateral stimulation that happens. With EMDR, you could be looking at a light and you're going back and forth. Or you could be tapping. But you want it to happen on either side of the body, which is why you would look to the left or the look to the right. I have them listen to music, and you can audibly hear really soothing spa music go back and forth. It's a real kind of nice flow. And what it does is it allows you to go into the deeper part of the brain where memories and emotions are stored. You can get there a lot quicker than with talk therapy. So when you're there, you're tapping into memories and the emotions that were stirred up, the physical sensations that were stirred up. There's a lot that goes into doing these trauma-style therapies. But they're amazing with couples. Oh, man. And doing grief with brain spotting really helps people get the feeling that they're not going to be stuck in the anger, the sadness, the denial, or whatever else. It helps you get past that stuckness. It's wonderful. I've done brain spotting before. High five to you. Yes. I actually used to do it like weekly with Brooke Jean that we just talked Love about. It. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> how do couples do the brain spotting together? Just knowing like, yeah, do, are they listening to the same thing at the same time? Yes. So I just had a moment of like sharing headphones. I don't know why. Like, Where they put their hands together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you only get the one side of the phone. So yes, you. Well, now that we're doing it through telehealth, they'll each have their own set of headphones. But what I I had a splinter in the office that would play the same music. It would just splinter off into the different headphones. And I've done trauma work around a couple being in an auto accident, and they'll both have their own spot that they're spot gazing over. I've done it when there's been an affair. So the, the hurt partner will be gay spotting at uh, the trauma experience when they found out the affair was happening. And I'm teaching the other partner to be emotionally attuned and aware of that experience because it helps build trust. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it unless the partners are willing to be vulnerable in the room because if they're not 
there, I certainly wouldn't do it. I'm just like, it feels like an intense, and tell us why you would kind of do brain spotting just for anybody that doesn't really know what that is. And like Brooke Jean and I talked about in a previous episode, like the big T's and the little T's. Like, I think when you hear the word trauma for me, I was like, Oh, I haven't had trauma. Yeah. You know how many people like dismiss their own trauma because it's not like seen on law and order SVU Mm -hmm. or whatever else that if it's not categorized as that, then nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> That's so not true. Yes. Like, you can even have attachment trauma, right? Where you had a parent who was bipolar. They may not have physically abused you, but, oh, man, you were not able to predict the mood that they were in. Doesn't mean that that was the law and order trauma. Mm-hmm. But it's still trauma. Yeah. Or it could be being robbed. That's a big trauma. It could very well be that we also do brain spotting around anxiety. I've done my own brain spotting around anxiety and it was preparing for my capstone in my graduate program. So I clearly high anxiety during that time, (laughs) but it helped. Yeah. So it it can be used for multiple purposes, not just the big T SVU trauma that you would see on TV, Mm -hmm. but if something's stuck there, it's, you're going to work with it. Yeah. But the difference between EMDR and brain spotting is EMDR is much more scripted. You're going to get a trauma history, and you're going to get the first trauma that the person can recall, and you're going to start there. They're going to call that, like, the root trauma that then skews all of the other traumas, right? And if you deal with the root trauma, then it may not become as intense with the other traumas. With brain spotting, sometimes there's something that's blocking that, and we got to address what's blocking it first. For, I think, couples, but also, like, just owning a business, I think yes. that... Something that you talked about earlier is what I would call, like, resentment towards a partner. Like, you don't have to clean the house that much or what have you. But how do you kind of work through in everyday life? Because I think that sometimes I can identify it as, like, oh, I'm having resentment right now. Mm -hmm. That, like, you're not doing this. Like, you got time to lean. You got time to clean. Mm. And there's, like, a little bubble up of that. Like... How do you kind of work through that or talk to somebody and let them see your side of the street and kind of... So I think one of them is you have to be able to identify how serious it really is. Mm-hmm. You, I think this is an excellent thing to work with everybody is how serious is the situation. <laughs> because t- yeah. I can't tell you how many people will react to a situation at a 8 or 9 or even a 10, life-threatening... I have to respond, I'm going to freak out, flare my arms everywhere, when really the situation is probably a two. Mm-hmm. Like the facts of the true situation, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And so first I would say assess what how, what's the intensity that you're feeling it, and then say what's the facts, how serious is it really based off of the facts, and then self-soothe so that your emotions match the facts. And then if it really is something where it's like, I need to say something, because it could be an employee who isn't doing what you want them to do. And I would say this for couples, but I think this works fabulous for any Mm -hmm. relationships. I really like to use a formula called appreciation. I feel when, what I need, let's work together. So let's say you've got an employee who 
is standing around and you need them to like look there's hair everywhere you need right. to break right. up that's never happened exactly ever ever, ever. <laughs> so you'd be like i i've got to say i really appreciate you working here because i know that you are on your feet all day i know it can get exhausting and i also know that you probably have a lot of things going on outside of here i begin to feel nervous about this business that i built Especially when I see things fall to the wayside. Because I want things to be so great for the people that come in here. And I get afraid that if people come in here and they see hair everywhere, or they see that there's hair dye in the sink, that they're going to think we're a trashy place. I am, I'm needing more of a commitment that you're there with me. That you want to make sure that this is an upscale place for people. What do you think that we can do so that we can be successful with that? We have that recorded, right? <laughs> that was good. It, it's but I think that that's really something nice that formula. you really can do in yeah. all areas of your life. Because yes. I think roommates or yes. husband, wives, yes. girlfriends, boyfriends, you just get off track. And, and then it's like, it isn't that you didn't take the trash out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like the straw that broke the camel's back. It could very well be. But let's, or, let's say, for example, it, it is the trash, right? You could be having just a real crappy day. And you come home and someone has put trash and made a pile instead of taking the trash out. One, assess the seriousness. What are you feeling? How serious is it? you got to take a few deep breaths. You may have to go around the block. You may need to take a shot. You may need to do something to calm yourself down. And then tell the person, I really appreciate how much you do around here. I know that you also work as much as I do. I feel more stressed when I see trash pile up. I'm needing to know that you can take care of the trash. How can I help you with that? Do you see in your practice, not just in couples, but I think we all suffer from this, like the social media, like everything's perfect, everybody's so in love, everybody's relationship's so great, they're in the Caribbean, they're (laughs) like... So what I would say is I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I've been doing counseling since 2011, and I'm married, and it isn't always Mm hunky-dory. It isn't always perfect. There's times where I get pissed. There's times when he gets pissed. That's a relation. That's a genuine relationship, because if it is absolutely perfect, then that means that someone is sacrificing independence. And someone is taking all of the time. So, for example, I normalize conflict as you are going to be in a, let's say you and I are in a relationship. And we want to go to the movies. I want to go early because I've got kids. You want to go later because you get off of work. Am I either going to say, fuck it, let's not go. I don't want to hang out with you. That can create conflict because mm-hmm. then I'm not spending time with you. Or I could sacrifice, fine, I'll go later. But then I'm losing my independence. I'm losing my sense of self and my responsibilities because I've got kids to take care of. Or I could say, no, you need to bend to me because my kids are more important than your schedule. Right? That's going to happen in conflict. Right. With any relationship, conflict is normal. Yeah. So how do you fix it? (laughs) So let's say, let's say, okay, let's do a soft startup with you and I, we're going to go to the movies. And we've been trying to get together for a while. And I realized 
this isn't going to work again because I've got to go early and she's got to go late. And this pisses me off because I feel like she never sacrifices for me, blah, 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 blah. And I start telling myself more bullshit lies that piss me off and justify why I'm pissed. Hold on. I actually really like Lindsay. I have so much fun with them when I'm with her and I feel like I can just let my hair down. I can't do that with a lot of people and this isn't that serious. Okay. I love you, Linz. I love hanging out with you. And I know that our conflicts are completely backwards. Let's actually figure out a day where we both have off. So that we can find something that works for the both of us. Because I feel like I need more of you in my life. What do you think we should do? I like that compromise. We yeah. find a time that works for both of us. Yeah. But relation, like, it really is just a matter of don't make little things become mm-hmm. big things. Slow yourself down. Do some self-coping skills. This is where you got to really identify your intelligences, right? Because if your intelligences are kinetics and you just need to go to the gym, work it out, and you feel great afterwards and you're not mad, then go to the gym. That's your self-soothing technique. If wrapping presents makes you feel really good and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not mad anymore. Mm-hmm. Do it. I'm not saying do drugs or the EM. EDMR. <laughs> the new drug. The new street drug I made up. I'm not saying do negative coping stuff. I'm doing stuff that's going to, like, do stuff that's actually going to be of benefit. And then say something. Is that kind of one of your, I know that you deal with addictions mm-hmm. and the unhealthy coping mechanisms that we all fall yeah. Victim too. I mean, I think it's easy to find a vice, but obviously there's a difference between having it be a little vice for you to unwind versus it becoming a problem. Right. How do you kind of work through that in relationships or even identifying? Is it a problem Mm. or is this a coping? Like, do I just go there whenever I need it? So I look at, let's say it's alcohol. And let's say the husband is drinking and he's drinking to excess i like to say that the alcohol is actually an outside relationship and you are exhibiting emotional affair by leaning onto a substance rather than going to your partner and talking about your day talking about the anxieties inviting your partner in to share the stresses that even may lead you to drinking So I pointed out as it's an affair, it's an outside relationship, what do you want to do with it? And then there's at times when I will do an individual session with a partner and I will have them tell me their relationship history with the substance. I'll I'll have them, let's let's call call alcohol a name, Sebastian. What was Sebastian doing for you when he showed up? Why did did you like him so much? Right, I kind of reframe it as a relationship. Mm To say, well, no, it's just not even a healthy relationship. Because he convinces you to go to him, but he doesn't really give you anything. Mm-hmm. He makes you feel more alone, more stressed. That doesn't sound like a functioning relationship to me. And shitty the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Real shit. <laughs> As you get older, alcohol <laughs> makes you feel worse. Yep. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that's kind of like finding, like what you were talking about, like find your gifts, Coping. your talents, your mm-hmm. where you can cope. Is that something that you can have like a healthy yes then coping mechanism with people? 100%. Right. So my, 
my intelligence is it is musical and interpersonal. So I either feel reset when I'm around people or when I listen to really good music and that music matches my mood. So if I'm pissed, I, I'm, I'm not going to put sound of music on. That's for sure. Right. But I, you know, and I can feel it in my body. And I, it's kind of like I'm releasing that emotion and I'm giving it to the music because the music ends and transitions just like emotions do. So I allow my emotions to transition just like with the music. That's why there's a lot of breakup songs. <laughs> That's true. That Taylor Swift, she oh, really man. knows what she's doing. I know. It's like, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> such a good song i've never resonated more with the song of my life i like when she's talking about how it's like midnight and she's wide awake right hello yeah oh my ghost come in uh-huh. i was like ah yeah i, I relate taylor mm-hmm. so how do we kind of identify like i didn't really know what you helped me find my intelligence of like i kind okay. of would say like yeah. relationships or yeah. but i mean i think we do all know how to soothe ourselves mm. Outside of alcohol mm-hmm. and that new street drug I just yes. made up. Yes, that's a good drug. Right <laughs> so, what are you? What are you? What are you wanting to know? What? How can you kind of figure that out? Like, I know through therapy, yeah. it was like go back to those things that you yes. loved doing as a child and like soothe that inner child and like figure out like love the inner child stuff. So, I love to color sometimes when yeah. I'm pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like. But that's, I think I that's an artistic part of you, right? I think you have that artistic intelligence in you. So what I would say is reflect on your life for a minute and think about times where time flew by. Oh my God, it's already been three hours. I can't believe it's been three hours and I was mowing the lawn or whatever else. When time escapes you and you don't feel drained, but you feel kind of spirited, you feel good, that means you're doing the right thing and and to explore that a little bit more because if it's mowing the lawn for three hours that's a that's a lot of gas on that lawnmower there Uh but it could be that going out in nature and do and connecting with nature is an intelligence of yours so how are you going to do more of that Uh does that make sense yeah 100 percent. sit with what you have to reflect what have i done in my past that has really made me be like damn Mm-hmm. Time went by. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like I was like, I like to cook and clean, and then there you go. You know, I always we always joke that I am like an old Southern woman, <laughs> deep in my soul. <laughs> I'm you like, need a pineapple that will <laughs> tell someone it's time for you to go. <laughs> uh huh. I'm like, I'm just like an 80 year old Southern woman living inside of my body a lot of times. <laughs> But I'm like, I just want to put it together, flower arrangements, and right? make a casserole. And but but the, you're doing <laughs> you're doing th- okay. But even if we talk about casserole making, right? There has to be some sort of artistic ability behind that because you have to know the style of layering, what flavors are going to taste well together. There's artistic ability there. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is really you step into your artistic intelligence frequently, which is probably why you're an 8.5 out of yeah. satisfaction. I remember when I was asked that question, I did not have a very high satisfaction. But that's because I was reflecting on all the things that weren't making me happy. It was trying to get the house cleaned. Because I'm working full-time, but I work from home. So in between clients, making the beds, doing the laundry, picking up the house, Mm -hmm. taking care of the animals, taking care of the poop in the backyard of the animals, dishes, making dinner. 
making sure the kids are taken care of, right? <laughs> got to keep them alive. Yeah, you know. somehow they've got to stay alive. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do all of this. But that's not where I thrive. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a change. Yeah. And so now I blare more music. <laughs> and sometimes when I know that I've got to clean the house, I will make sure that I'm listening to music that keeps me going. I was going to say, what's some advice when people are looking and saying like, oh my gosh, this is my gift. Mm. And I'm an accountant and I really have like this artistic aspect that I'm not yes. getting out of it. How do you make those transitions? How do you kind of identify something that would bring passion? I actually listened to a super soul about passion and it like changed my whole mindset Beautiful. about it. I'll, Beautiful. I'll share it out there, but... So, Passion's kind of a scary word of being like, oh, I know, because then it makes it feel like you're abandoning reality. Yes, yes. So uh, what I want to say is what I'm talking about is also for people who may be privileged enough to be able to explore what a passion is. And you may have to grind and have two jobs and be a single parent. And you, you may have to be on the end where, yeah, you're going to have to work. And if you have an artistic ability, but you're a banker and it's not fulfilling for you in what way can you bring that into the business and what way can you make your environment speak to your artistic ability so you may be allowed to bring a coloring book in and at times be okay with I need to get this out if you can't do it at work like you may be a waitress and you're hustling your ass or a hairdresser and you don't have time to sit and color right Mm -hmm. because you're cleaning Lindsay's glam bar (laughs) You have to find, you have to be able to manage what you do outside. You have to be able to start managing it. You have to be in charge of your own life. You cannot expect somebody else to say, here, I'm going to take your kids for a minute. I'm going to make sure your bills are paid. Here's a coloring book. You're going to rest for five minutes because that's not reality because everybody else is trying to hustle. So you have to be your own boss and say, I'm going to take this time. And how do you kind of get over the fear hump? Because I think sometimes, like, there are certain things that I want to do. And I'm like, oh, this is an idea that just keeps sticking with me. And I want to, like, bring it to life. So let's talk about it for a minute. But then you get a fear. What was the thing that's been sticking with you? Oh, there's a lot of little different, like, little business ventures. Tell me. So I do have a book idea that Mm -hmm. I'd like to write. Mm -hmm. And I have been trying to work through my inner therapist Mm -hmm. that's in there. And I was like why are you so afraid to just start writing? Just like take an hour a day and just like, right? It, I think that's not... problem solving. We don't want to go to problem solving yet, right? Okay. So what's, yes, what right. I would want to know is, let's say you do start writing. What do you imagine happening with your life? I feel like it would probably be the same, but okay. just writing. Okay. <laughs> what would happen after you wrote the book? I don't know. Maybe nothing would happen with it. Okay. So then help me understand sitting in front of the computer. What does that mean for you? Well, I'm, again, an old Southern lady. So I need a notebook and a Okay, that's fair. A, so a let's imagine. <laughs> I couldn't gonna... type it out. I, it's yeah. not a sex in the city type um, <laughs> carry at the desk. I like when she asks I'm like, questions. I have to write. <laughs> Is this wrong? <laughs> so, okay, and let's imagine just for a minute. Imagine that you are sitting here at this beautiful island and you've got the pen and the paper in front of you. Are you afraid of the pen making contact with the paper? 
No. What are you afraid? I don't really, honestly, like, I can't figure it out of why. Like, I have started. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, it, I was like, oh, that was so fun. And then it just, like, gets put aside. I'm just not prioritizing it. Well, part of me wonders, if we look at all of the things that you do throughout the day, I'm wondering if that might feel like it's too much for you right now. And so your system is like, you know, I'm, I'm running a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm running a business. I'm trying to make relationships with people, yeah. maintain relationships with people. It might be that it's too much right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've tried to identify a fear. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, so I write it. Yeah. And it's crap and nothing happens to it. Like That would be the worst case scenario, right? It's not like I'm J.K. Rollins, like, oh, getting ready to be homeless if and, only. like, wanted to be a writer <laughs> my whole if life. Only. I've never wanted to be a writer. <laughs> Did, were you a writer at school when you were in school? Not a little. Not really. I wonder if it's also not tapping into your actual abilities. Because mm-hmm. you said, oh, it feels good when I did it, but that's like writing in a diary, right? Yeah processing some stuff but it may not actually be in so you could get a ghostwriter I think I need a ghostwriter I think I'm more of an idea person yeah I was having a conversation with a girlfriend I was like I need to Kim Kardashian my life in the way of (laughs) I have all of these ideas and I need to be like Bam, idea. Now you bring it to me. Now you run it. (laughs) Like, bring it to me, make it happen, and then I'll tell you how it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get a ghostwriter. That's a good idea. I don't know why I haven't ever thought of that. Because we had to dissect it first. (laughs) And I think it's just timing. I was like, because I think I'm just better at talking. Yeah. I'm not like a... That feels stressful. It's like... Yeah. My brain works too fast. Yeah. And your and one of your talents is that you're interpersonal. So you would be having a conversation with someone while talking about your book. So more would come out and it would flow easier for you. Mm-hmm. There okay. you go. We solved problem, problem solved. Uh, stay tuned for the book. <laughs> <laughs> I better get a copy. You will. Signed. Yes. You'll be in like the the preface. Pre, pre, uh, why can't I talk anymore? <laughs> You know what I mean. I do. I do. It's the preface. I think you said it right. Right? It came yeah. out a little weird, but I, I, told, I heard you. I told Serena, I was like, words are weird for me today. I don't know words why. Words are weird for me all the time. I, I know. Myself. I know. It's like I've got peanut butter in my mouth sometimes. <laughs> I was like, I kept trying to turn Alexa on and she like couldn't understand me because every time I went to say her name, it like came out strange <laughs> you know what that reminds me of this is going to be way off topic so forgive me have you seen the snl skit where it's um people in their 60s and 70s and they've got alexa but they keep calling her the wrong name and they're like amanda <laughs> uh yeah it's called my mom's house <laughs> they do it all the time and she's like why isn't she listening to me i was like oh her name's alexa <laughs> Probably problem number one. (laughs) There was one, I don't remember the actress, but she's like blankets upon blankets on her. She's wearing a hat and she's just like shivering. She's like, Alexa, turn up the heat. And she's like, it's already 101 degrees in here. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) I don't have that program. (laughs) That's so close. Yes. 
Now I'm now I'm just gonna want to say something inappropriate <laughs> you know, right? and have her respond. And that's with clients when I know there's an Alexa in the room. Sometimes I'll be like, Alexa, play, and it'll play in their house. Yeah, just as a messing with the clients. <laughs> My parents have a ring camera oh, that yeah. I had them put up. Yeah, and sometimes I'll just go on the speaker because I get their alerts. Yes, and I'll be like, Hi, how are you? What are you doing? My they're like, <laughs> I love that they don't understand that. I do that to my mom all uh-huh. the time because I have she's living with us right now and she's I'll see her come in because she helps pick up the kids and she's like juggling the kids and backpacks and stuff. And I'll quickly be like, I see you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I should be like, oh, damn it. Alyssa, stop it. <laughs> I mean, you have to. But keep she them doesn't on their even toes. know where to look. She yeah. just like looks around. <laughs> it's like the bird over there. I Who know. Knows? I love it. I love her. Kind of just circling. Oh, let's go back. Yeah. Back to social. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of go back to the social media thing because we yes. were having a big conversation earlier. Yes, like, we were. I feel like social media is so hard for us to like have mm-hmm. our normal everyday life. Mm-hmm. And not be on vacation or wearing something fabulous or, like, the things that we would post, right? Because yeah. we're not posting when we feel like shit or when right. we look like shit. Right. Unless it's the pendulum swing that I was talking about. Yes. Where it's either you're going to po- post the fabulous stuff or you're going to post the things that is, like, miserable and people are like, oh, my God, what happened? Tell mm-hmm. me more. And, and it's not the mundane stuff. Like, oh, man, I have to shave my armpits again. This is... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't hear that kind of stuff. And I think that takes away the normalcy of just life. And sometimes life is boring. And that makes people incredibly anxious. Mm-hmm. So what are some tips and tools to get us through this social media world? I am so glad I'm not a teenager. I know. Me too. With social media. I know. I know it's hard. I, I can't Im- and then I, you know I've got these little kids. I can't imagine how much harder it's going to be for them because the accessibility. I joke like we have the, uh, an electric fence so the dogs and the cats don't get out. I'm like I'm going to have to get a collar for them so they mm-hmm. only go as far as the yard. Yeah, and no computer or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we, it's going to work. We're bringing it back old school days <laughs> <laughs> when you actually had to be at home to answer a call. Yes. Oh God, I remember that pick it up (laughs) Um, you know when we talk about assessing the seriousness of something you're gonna experience envy because that's an emotion and everybody experiences all emotions and if you're finding yourself that you are sabotaging your happiness to chase someone else's posting out of envy then you're not chasing your happiness you're chasing what you think it's supposed to look like. And it's okay to not have social media. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And if you do, maybe monitor it. If it's starting to impact your mood or it's making it to where you're like, oh shit, I'm late for work because I've been scrolling this video for yeah. so long or whatever else, then it's impacting your life. And it's not doing anything for you. Again, it's another relationship, but it's you don't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. The real relationships are with the people and the nature and the animals around you. That's more humbling and more fulfilling and more mindful. 
how do we break the cycle of putting our phone down and scrolling? Are you telling me that you're addicted to social media, Lindsay? I don't. <laughs> I go through phases. Mm. There are moments that, like, I'm on it all the time, and then sometimes I'm just, like, they're scrolling. Okay. So the mindless scrolling, mm-hmm. I would say, I, I don't want to extreme it, because I, I do know that sometimes people just need to check out. Sometimes I just really find really funny memes, I know, and I, I really too. like sending them to all my friends, and it like brings me a little joy of like, mm-hmm. ah, that was really funny. <laughs> I, I get that. <laughs> but your life is not going to end if you miss the meme. No. What I would say is challenge yourself to see if you can go a whole, let's say, start with a month of no social media. And if you're like, okay, that was easy, that was easy, then I'd say try six months. It's a little bit like what I tell, you know, alcoholics specifically because withdrawing from alcohol is incredibly dangerous, is I'm not expecting you to quit right now. That's not realistic or reasonable, and that that's going to set you up for failure and feel like you're no good and X, Y, and Z. But I would say, what can you do to make a change in a different direction? So if it's Instead of having the 12 beers a night, try having six. I think it gets hard, too, when you look at the big picture, right, of yeah. life. Of yeah. That of 54% the of the life that you've lived. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. I want to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. I have X, Y, and Z to do. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes really overwhelming instead of just being on one task. Yeah. So cut back here. Yeah. And see if then it just becomes easier. Right. There are some people who thrive in being able to do the multiple tasks. Like you're talking about Kim Kardashian, how she has the accessibility and the people to be able to do that. There, But that's one person out of the plethora of people. Mm-hmm. And so when you're expecting your life to be performed like your Kim Kardashian, yeah. you're not living in reality. There's going to be things that you're going to be successful at. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be damn proud of yourself for those successes. There's things that you're not going to be successful at, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't be. You can't tell yourself. We talk about parents, and we joke about, "Oh, you came home with an A. Why didn't you get an A plus?" But we do that to ourselves all the time. Yeah, we have to stop doing that to ourselves. What are kind of some tips to set boundaries? Oh, boundaries, man! That is like a whole thing. Boundaries for yourself, boundaries for relationships. What do you mean? I think both. Okay. Let's say both. Okay. Right? I'm like... Here's how I like to dissect boundaries with the people that I work with. List some core values of yours. What are they? Go ahead, Lindsay. List some core values. In work or just, just in, in general? In life, in general. I think honesty, okay. loyalty, okay. hardworking. Okay. Define honesty. In your terms, not what you would see in the dictionary. How would you be like, man, that person's honest? Um, I feel like, sure, I tell like some little white lies within things, but when it comes time to like being truthful and being mm. honest mm-hmm. and doing the right thing, like I'll always do that. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell Listen, a white lie I, I shaved I could... today. That's yeah. I was like, I wish I could be like Anna Dolphus or whatever. What the scammer lady name? Like, the wire's coming. Yes. I like just the words would words would never come out of my mouth. I couldn't even say it. I'm like, 
it just wouldn't be authentic to right. me. Right. Like at the end of the day, when it I impacts have... somebody's life, then you're like, okay, yeah, that's a lot. Now you're gonna get the truth train. Right. Right. Okay. Now talking about loyalty, what does that mean for you? Um, loyalty means that I will. I am true Cancer. I feel like that, like definition of the zodiac. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're like part of my little shell. Mm-hmm. Like I will protect you. Mm-hmm. I will take care of you. Mm-hmm. I will have your back. Mm-hmm. Are, are I would say no matter what, but I stopped myself because I will cut. I will cut a bitch. <laughs> well, you should, right? <laughs> and you I will cut to, them right up. You need so to be able to do that. As long as that's like a two way street, yes. and I feel like it's being reciprocated. Yes. Then I'm loyal. To the end of the day. And I love that you said that because you are on the touch of boundaries, right? So if we're saying loyalty, it's not just you and what loyalty means, but it's also what's reciprocated. And you know when that line is crossed because you have actually defined that line for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And as soon as somebody has crossed that boundary, you then have to ask yourself, is this a big enough boundary that I need to terminate this? Or do I need to do the soft startup and say, listen, I really appreciate, I feel I need, what can we do together? Or I feel when I need and how do we do this together, right? You have to be able to determine how serious was the leap over the boundary. But the boundary goes with you too. So if you're protective of yourself, in what way are you protective of yourself? And if we're talking about social, social media and scrolling, how are you going to protect yourself? If you're really loyal and you protect yourself, what are you going to do? I usually just stop scrolling. Okay. I just get out. But you, Exactly. So you have to be able to identify what that line mm-hmm. is and stick with it. Mm-hmm. Because you have to live within boundaries too. You can't... There's a lot of times people are like, they're not this, they're not that, they're not blah, 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 blah. But then they are not that themselves. Yeah. So it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. If we're wanting honesty, we've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Not only with the people around us, but with ourselves. Boundaries. It's true. And yes. the honesty with yourself, it's like, okay. And like, I do, and w- when it comes with couples, when I do this with couples, I'm saying, what is a core value within a relationship? And if it's honesty, what does that look like in a relationship? Because it is actually different for each couple. Mm-hmm. Because if we're talking about a, a polyamorous couple, they may not want to know the details of the relationship that you just had last night. Right. So it has to be able to be specifically defined within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you have to respect it. It's kind of like a, an unwritten contract. This is how we're going to interact with each other. And we're going to respect those interactions, not only for myself, but for you too. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> I was like, I feel like we could just go and go and go. I love it. Yes. I know that there was a specific topic you wanted to touch on. Oh, we were going to talk a little about, I know, in the social media world, Mm -hmm. we know that we lost the DJ Twitch, and it's so sad, and I think that, like, on social media, it was so joyful. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even on TikTok, but, Mm -hmm. like, they were constantly on, Mm -hmm. like, my Instagram feed. Yeah. Yeah. 80-year-old Southern woman inside. Uh, with, like, they were on the feed. They were on the feed. Yeah. On the ground. <laughs> but, like, I think it's one of those things, like we were talking about, it's really easy to portray, like, not anything vulnerable maybe about mm-hmm. ourselves and, like, mm-hmm. the hurts and the pains mm-hmm. and the traumas that we're dealing mm-hmm. with and struggling with. Yeah. And it's easy to see this happy 
couple and it's such a sad loss yeah and so many people are affected by suicide yes myself being one yes how what are tips and tricks for anybody I think we kind of covered like three different areas but if you have a friend that maybe you think could go down that path like how can you help them how can you um give them resources and make sure if you are that person that wants to go down that path how do you seek help because I think sometimes it kind of like what we were just talking about it's this big overwhelming picture it's like I'm never gonna get yeah. the help that I need. I'm never going to, like, everything just seems so big. Oh, I'm going to go back before I go forward. Remember when we were talking about wanting to protect the kids? Mm-hmm. You can't always protect your kids. Mm-hmm. I recognize that we want to protect our loved ones, especially from suicide, because then it's like, oh, they were hurting. And I loved them so much. How could I have not seen this? And, like... I'm lost now because I didn't even have the opportunity to say what I wanted to say, to be there for the way that I wanted to be there. That is part of believing that you had the power to control somebody else. And you cannot control somebody else, unfortunately. Resources, it's call the National Suicide Hotline. Help them guide you on how to talk to them. I am a stickler that if anybody says suicide in front of me, well, I'll just kill myself. I, I mean, you can tell when it's joking, but with teenagers specifically, because I feel like there's a lot of dysregulation there, I don't play with that. And yeah. I let all of anybody I work with know that if you just like say, I, I want to, I just want to kill myself, I'm going to dive into that. And I'm going to explore what you mean. I'm not going to pretend you didn't say it. And if I'm really, if I genuinely have a concern, you bet your ass I'm going to make sure that I call someone to get you safe. But I still can't keep them safe when they're in the hospital because people commit suicide in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I can try and keep them safe, but I cannot control them. So resources are helpful, but recognizing you are not responsible for them. And if they're in pain, let's find somebody who they can talk to. I will tell you that if somebody has reached that threshold of it being an option, trying to pull them back is hard. And you can't do that as a layperson. You've got to let somebody who's a professional do that. Because mm-hmm. we've been skilled and trained to know how to really pull them back. Let them enjoy life again. You can't do that on your own. Yeah. But it's hard. It's what's hard to hear, right? You're not responsible for their choices. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, imagine a mom hearing this whose child committed suicide, who's dealing with the guilt of, like, I know she was feeling really low, and I just assumed it was teenager things, right? And hearing me say, you can't control your daughter, that, that might sting. That might trigger. That might hurt. And I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm trying to say is nobody can control other people. The person who did commit suicide, it didn't mean that they didn't love you. No. It, it didn't mean that they wanted to give you the big middle finger and make you feel miserable. It meant that something hurt so bad and they had no idea. There was so much noise and so much pain going on that they they wanted it to stop. Yeah. 
and just show love. Show love to the people who've lost people, right? Because that's the other thing. Our culture does not know how to deal with grief and loss. No, we don't, <laughs> for sure. I, I watched a documentary on this, and it was like, we're the only culture that like doesn't really know what to do. I, I will tell you, I, I feel really sad when I hear people say we're not going to do a funeral. Because that is the stage of saying hello to the death mm-hmm. in order to say goodbye to the person. Right? We have to be able to say, shit, this is real. Yeah. Because then we're going to be in complicated grief where we're denying it. We're stuck in something. But have the ceremony. Their life deserved that. Mm-hmm. So many people are afraid to have the ceremony of like, no, we don't want to bury someone. We don't want to do that. That is, that is ceremonially part of who we are as people, right? Ancestors did that. Mm-hmm. You have to celebrate the life. Yes. And it's not only celebrating it, but it's also allowing the space for the mourners to mourn. Yeah. And so many people don't even want to mourn at funerals. I can't cry at the funeral. Bullshit. Do whatever you need to do to let your body show how much pain it's in from the loss of the loved one. Because you can do that. You showing how much you loved that person through your mourning, that's a gift. Yeah. Let it happen. Have ceremony. What are some advice for people that have been impacted by any Mm. type of death? I mean, it doesn't just have to be suicide, Mm. but to grieve and to get through that grieving process and how you kind of get through losing somebody that you love and care about. What I would suggest is finding a clinician who specializes in grief and loss because they are going to do what I call the three S, the sacred threes, which is sitting in sacred silence because our culture does this thing where it's oh but you had them for so many years like at least you had a good life with him Mm -hmm. or man tell me all about how he died they want to go into the gory details and all the nasty stuff right it's like gossip and some people are like well we don't have to talk about it let's not talk about it let's just focus on something else that's like ignoring any other emotion that comes up and i will tell you all of us are impacted with grief loss and life transition and to not talk about it blows my mind (laughs) i mean our culture is just now getting to a phase of sexual acceptance at what point are we going to get to a death and dying acceptance Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying like it's just crazy some, and if somebody dies, send them my way. I will give them resources. I've got plenty of books. And that, you don't have to go through this alone. Find somebody who is going to be a companion through your grief and mourning, not somebody who's going to like be morbid or try and shut it down. But I think we all need to learn how to be companions for grief because it touches everybody. I know. I always tell people, like, when they're like, I just don't know. I was like, nobody knows what to say. And to be honest. Do you ever like, have to say anything sometimes? Well, I was like, I know people that reached out to me, but I couldn't tell you one word that they said. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, mm-hmm. 
in a fog and a haze when mm-hmm. like a close tragedy mm-hmm. happens to you. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that they know that they can turn to you. Yeah. And that yeah. you've reached out. There's that connection there. And it, it like just say whatever. Yes. Just rip that band-aid and just say anything. Like, I love you. Yeah. Here for you. Yeah. And even, you know, like there's really nice condolences cards that you can send like you're on my mind i think meal trains are wonderful especially for people who may have lost a spouse or really anybody but meal trains people don't think to eat people don't think to take care of themselves to shower to whatever else and sometimes you need someone to just care for you so if you can be that person to just you know what i'm gonna take a week off when they get home from the funeral i'm gonna be their caregiver that's such a gift I'm going to bring meals. I'm going to have Grubhub drop a food off. Let me pay your bills so then you don't have to focus on it for the next couple of weeks and you can just mourn. Those are gifts, right? And then when they start talking about a brother who was hit by a car or a brother who was committed by suicide or whatever else it might be, you don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. You can say what's going on for you. And sit in the space and be like, yeah, I can see that sucks for you, man. What do you need? Well, because I was like, it sucks. It does suck. <laughs> like, it does it suck. It does suck. It sucks. Yes. And like, but you don't want to have 500 texts that say, this sucks. No. And everybody tries to think of these like amazing words. They and it's like, yeah. just say, like, it does suck. I don't know what, like. Yeah, it does suck. It's awful. But it, like, I think one of my favorite things, we had this amazing priest. My parents are Catholic and. We didn't have, like, a Catholic church Mm -hmm. funeral for Mm -hmm. my brother, but they had a Catholic priest that had Mm -hmm. retired, so Mm -hmm. he could come into a funeral home and do the whole Catholic shtick. Yeah. Um, But we went and visited with him afterwards, like, a week later, and he was like, one, I never apologize for being late anymore. Well, (laughs) if I do keep you waiting, I do usually apologize. But he said, you're never late. You're on God's time. Yeah. I was like, I'm just on God's time. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> just writing my book on God's time. <laughs> then also he said, instead of saying he had just lost his sister, and he was like, I always encourage everybody to say instead of I'm sorry, mm. because yes, what, like I get the sentiment of like, I am sorry. Like, mm-hmm. that's hard. Mm-hmm. He just suggested saying something about love. Like, mm-hmm. I love you. I care mm-hmm. for you. I'm sure you had a lot of love for them. Mm-hmm. And bring love into that sadness mm-hmm. instead of making it something to feel like you have to continue to mourn and mm-hmm. grieve. You know what I really like is when you invite someone to share a picture about the one that's passed. You see their eyes light up. You can tell they're they're sad, right? But they just go back into a flooding of wonderful memories of feeling the love and not the loss yeah. by just reflecting on a picture. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think we get really big on like, be kind. Yeah. Which we all should be kind. Yeah. that's Well, if it's a core value, you're absolutely yeah. right. It my, my motto is do no, take no shit, do no harm. So. There you go. It's like my little boundary yeah. setting yeah. of like, Listen, I'm. I don't want to do harm onto you, but I yeah. like. I'm not going to take your shit. Yeah, yeah. So, and sometimes and you, you need want, to be able to have. You need to be able to have that like 
I don't, I don't want to call it hardness because I don't want to disrespect what it is, but sometimes you need to have that toughness, especially for the people that don't understand boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because when you have that toughness, that means that it's less likely to be penetrated by people that don't understand the boundaries. Yeah. But if you're always kind, that's when you have a little bit more people trying to access you in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So I like the toughness. Yeah. Do no harm, take no shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it's just a nice, easy, general, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn how to embroider it or crochet. What a... <gasps> I'll make it. <laughs> make that be the title of your book. <laughs> that, that's going to have to be a different book. <laughs> now I have well, two you, books to write. Well, so now what you're going to have to do is when you write that book, it's either times when you've had to live that motto or when you've had to tweak the motto. Yeah. <laughs> I always try to, that's like a core one. That yeah. always comes back. It I gets mean, lost sometimes. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to, like, so we all should be kind to yeah. each other. Yeah. But it is those little extra steps. Like, yeah. But so, I, see, this is where I'm going to, I'm going to play a devil's advocate and you have to decide what does it mean? Like, is what they're doing one where you have to, where you say, oh, the, I'm not taking this shit. Like you go overboard or you're like, is this worth me saying now you're going to get my shit. <laughs> you know what I've noticed? Like, a lesson that I've learned this year. Sometimes my shit, like, when I do want to put the hard uh-huh. shell out uh-huh. and have a conversation with somebody, uh-huh. I'm like, is it going to be reciprocated and understood? Or is it going to be yeah. misunderstood, the things that I say? Yeah. So then that feels unkind to me. Yeah. That's why that soft startup, that formula that I gave you, is really, really mm-hmm. helpful. So it's like, okay, well, then this is where we're at, and I just don't have to have a relationship with you or yeah. have a conversation with you or go deep yeah. with you, and, like, yeah. that's where my boundary is yes. with you. Yeah. I don't have to lash out no. or unleash right. or yeah. have a nasty conversation with yes. you. Yes, yes, exactly. You'd be like, and now I've learned that I can only keep you at a certain level mm-hmm. because if I take you to another level – you're dangerous to me yeah whether you make fun of me whether you stand me up or whatever else and I'm cool with you being here and I'm cool with you not going any further with me Mm -hmm. it's an excellent way to look at it yeah I call them shelf friends yeah I call them like layers yeah so I get it they're on the shelf and I'm good with being here with them and that's like that's all they need from that person and then you have your core people that you can like turn to and yeah when shit goes wrong i hear that <laughs> i it's like where you say it's like uh co-workers because you're not always going to let right. all co-workers right. in then you've got peers then you've got you know there's all these different layers of relationships and a lot of times people especially when they don't understand boundaries not everybody drop in very quickly mm-hmm. and there are some people you do not want to be dropped in very quickly because then it makes you incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. So you got to be able to read people too. And sometimes people test you Uh and they pull out those little triggers inside of you. Yeah. I'm like, why is that person bothering me so much? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh yeah, that's that's my stuff. I was like, oh, okay, okay, hold on. I got it. I have it. (laughs) Well, what are some tools that you use to Mm. keep yourself balanced and grounded? 
Do you have a self-care routine or? So in the mornings, I really like to read a mindfulness book to where it's like 360 days of mindfulness. And actually my husband and I read that together and we reflect on it. So that starts us off on a good note during the day. Then I, I have to exercise because I feel like my body physically takes on my clients sometimes to where I have to work out the energy that I'm somehow taking with me. I also do massages. I purposely take Fridays off so that I don't, like that is my day. People don't get access to that day. That is when I can get my stuff done. That's when I am Melissa. I'm not mom, I'm not wife, I'm not anything else. I'm just doing what feels good for me on that day. Um, Let me think. I've started reading a lot more, which I think, we've talked about interpersonal life, Mm -hmm. I think since having toddlers in the house, I really thrive on quiet. So when I can read, I I try and find ways to, um, nope, I'm reading, sorry, (laughs) can't come in. So it's a little, I I try and find what it is that my system needs in that moment. But it is becoming aware of what you truly need. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, reading. I sound so boring. I sound like the 80-year-old Southern lady. I need a book. Listen, I take a bath every single night. Oh, yes, I love those. <laughs> and I either listen to a podcast or read a book. See, and I'm I, yeah. really just like ready for retirement. I think I'd kill it. I'd crush it living in a retirement home. You know, I, I sometimes believe I would too. I would love to like go and play bingo. <laughs> I, I was like, I love that activity. So that would be so fun. I know. I want to learn how to play, what is it, pickleball? Oh, I've heard yeah. that's really fun. Yeah. So pickleball, bingle, bingle. <laughs> One of those words. You know. EDMR. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> My, we, we both have peanut butter in our mouth. I know. I was like, I know lots of people looking for couples. I think couples therapists are kind of hard to find. Uh, so uh, when I've been learning, because I've done a few uh, presentations for the Rocky Mountain marriage and family therapists association a lot of people are afraid to do couples work so as as a heads up you may be with a therapist who is actually uncomfortable doing couples work um so you may have to ask i I don't know if they'll be really forthcoming you would hope that they would be forthcoming but be aware that a lot of people are actually afraid to do couples work i think it's the conflict they're afraid to sit in or they're afraid like I failed because they're getting a divorce. No, sometimes the relationship mm-hmm. does need to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are some tips that you have for anybody looking for a therapist or feels like it's something that they want to explore or brain spotting something that they want to explore? Man, that's a deep question. It's a little bit like what I said before where you do want to meet your therapist. And I recognize that that can be hard, especially right now therapists are in high demand so you're just like I'm gonna take what I can get right now Uh and that's fine take what you can get now see if it's a good fit and if not you're allowed to keep looking you do not have to marry your therapist and feel like you can't walk away you should be able to feel like you walk away if you feel like you are dependent on your therapist and they're not allowing you the skills to thrive once you leave their office that's a concern so I would say meet them see where their specialties are ask them why they got into it because you may find that oh they got into grief counseling because they lost somebody Mm -hmm. 
okay, cool. I can feel like you understand loss a lot better then. Or like, like a lot of times people who are addicts will want to give back. That's one of the tenets of AA, right? Mm-hmm. But people tend to get caught up in this was my journey, this was my path, this is what I know got me there, so you need to do exactly what I need to do. And that's very toxic. Mm -hmm. So it is a healthy balance of you may have lived it, but also let me have my journey. Mm -hmm. So, again, please email me, and I will help you find resources. If you're struggling with finding a therapist, I will help you find one. If you are wanting to use your insurance, that will be a little bit more of an uphill climb because clinicians, not to rag on insurances, but we don't get paid very much. Mm -hmm. Like I have teachers who make more than me. (laughs) I have teacher friends who make more than me, right? So if you're willing to do private pay, honestly, you're going to be more likely to get a spot. And I hate to say that because it makes us sound like we're greedy assholes, but we also have bills to pay. And we only have so much room for insurance clients before it's no longer, Mm -hmm. it's taxing on us. So when we get the private pay, it really does help us a lot too. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to help either way. Perfect. Now that makes me feel bad. Like saying, hey, you should pay the private pay fee. When you're paying insurance, right? Insurance should be covering that. Listen, that's not a you problem. That's an insurance I problem. I know. I, and I, well, it is, but I feel bad saying It's our it. health care. I know, it is. That's the problem. And please understand, you are still allowed to use your insurance. Mm-hmm. And don't suddenly be like, oh, no, my therapist wants private pay, and now I feel guilty, and I have to not. No. If you're doing insurance, own it, be proud of it, yes. use it. I it's feel like fine. most therapists, chiropractors, anybody in that specialty category yes. has a certain allotment of insurance. here are the patients yes. that I'm going to see. Yeah. So. And it, I mean, it is taxing. And when we're not getting the payout, we have to limit our hours because it, it's taxing on our body. And doesn't We can't do 40 clients a week. I know people think yeah. full-time therapy is... 40 clients a week and that is insane yeah that's a lot that's a lot of energy to take on oh yeah that's what a lot of um companies do right like uh not necessarily group practices but sometimes with county services it's like you're just a number we need you to see as many people as Mm -hmm. possible and that is a disservice it is it is yeah to the people who are utilizing those services. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I can mm-hmm. go on and on and on. Yes, but this was so fun. so many amazing nuggets. I know. I know. Tell everybody, too, where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I am fairly full, just to be fair. Um, but you can still contact me, and I can help you find resources. I feel like I've got a lot of resources that I'm happy to share. My website is kenosiscounseling.com. And my email is melissa at kenosiscounseling.com. So M-E-L-I-S-S-A at K-E-N-O-S-I-S counseling.com. I'm Lindsay Wilson, and you've been listening to Business of Glam. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe, review, and download this podcast. If you're ever in the Denver area, be sure to come by and see us at Glamour Bar. Until then, stay glam.